Today is the first episode of At the Table on the House of Low podcast. I'm so excited to bring this style of conversation to you. This is going to be a segment focused on talking with two to three women around a specific topic with also some special rapid fire questions that I'll be asking. Today, joining us at the table is two of my most incredible friends, former colleagues, and two of the most powerful, beautiful, gorgeous women I've ever known. First, you're going to meet Jihan. I call her G. She is a paid social and digital marketing expert, executive, all the things, knows all the things in that space. And she also has some of the best taste in all things in life I've ever seen. She was a tastemaker influencer long before it was cool. (laughs) And get ready for her Instagram because you're going to want to get all the things, try all the food, up-level your beauty routine, and you will see how G sees the world through the lens of pure joy and gratitude. And she's helped me see the world in a deeper, more beautiful way. Then you're going to meet Sequoia. I call her Koi. She is powerhouse. She is the founder of the Black Marketers Coalition, one of the most amazing organizations. And I join a lot of their events and I highly recommend that you sign up to join one of their events. She also is the founder of the 9 to 4 Co-op, which is a multicultural marketing agency. And she has a lot of experience in the data analytics side of things. We call her Data Bay. Both of these women have inspired me in a way that is hard to put into words. They walk the walk. They talk the talk. And today we are going to dive deep into what it means to walk in our worthiness. Self-worth is a cornerstone of what I will talk about forever. And it's been a topic we've talked a lot about here. It's really powerful to see the different journeys that every woman faces on her way to her highest self-worth. And that's what today's topic is all about. I really hope that you join us at the table. I hope that you know that you have a full seat at this table and that any table you're ever at in life, your worthiness is at the highest level because ultimately what I desire is for every woman to step into the highest self-worth that her soul wants her to walk in. Enjoy today. Hello, hello, and welcome to House of Low. I'm Low, and I am on a mission to create safe spaces to help every single woman on this earth feel her power, live from her truth, find her magic, and discover a love for herself so deeply that it opens her up to love others, step into her purpose, and live life abundantly. I'm so excited you have found your way here. Thank you for joining me. Here we go. I am so excited. I'm actually seriously jumping for joy for this moment. This is the first at the table segment on the House of Low podcast. And I am welcoming two of my favorite queens, my dearest friends, Sequoia and Jihan. I'm so excited that you both have graciously made the time to do this. And this conversation is going to be 
incredibly powerful. Today at the table is all about feeling and walking in our worth. I'm so excited to talk about this with two women who are walking in their worth. So would love for you both to introduce yourselves and whoever wants to go first. Hi, everyone. I am so, so excited to be here. I'm so happy to join Lo on her podcast. It's one of my favorite things to listen to on Mondays. I'm Jihan, Jihan Genti. I've worked with Lo in the past. Also, our guest, Koya, who will be introducing herself to you. I work in digital marketing. It's what I do for my nine to five. But in my everyday life, the life that brings me joy and prosperity and happiness, I travel a lot. I hang out with a lot of my friends and family. I bake a lot and read a lot. So that's what brings me joy. I love that. And you know, I wish we lived closer so I could eat all the things you bake and, you know, go places you travel. I am Sequoia. I have had the pleasure of working with Lauren professionally, working with Jihan professionally, and it blossomed into a friendship through the digital marketing space. I have also founded my group, the Black Marketers Coalition, and do a lot of cool things professionally that really focuses on relationship building. Personally, though, the part that really is about us, our inner core, I enjoy what Jihan enjoys, traveling, spending time with family, really giving back to our community and pretending that I'm like this reality star with my own kitchen. So that's pretty much me in a nutshell. And I'm just so thankful to be on my favorite podcast, House of Love. I love you both so much. My deepest gratitude goes to you for being there for me, seeing me, you know, what I'm trying to create here, especially in this particular conversation where we talk about being at the table is creating conversations with women that allow other women to see that we can feel safe together. And especially as we rise and as we awaken and we lift up the world. There's so many changes that are coming and that are unfolding right now that women are leading. And I consider you both leaders of that. And you both have done so much work on yourselves to call in more of what you desire and what you're worthy of. So today's conversation is going to be so, so powerful. But to get us started, I have some rapid fire questions, my favorite, and I would love to just ask the question and then whatever comes to mind for you both first, feel free to just shout it out and we'll get to the next one. And then we're going to get into the flow of the conversation around worthiness. Oh, fun. Here we go. (laughs) Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) Okay. First question. Give me one word that describes you and your essence. Oh, excellent question. Mm. Powerful for me. Yeah. You said powerful, Koi? Yeah. I love that. For me, I think grateful. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. Gratitude. Okay. What is your mantra for life? (laughs) For me, this is Jihan. My (laughs) mantra for life, honestly, is do better. I just feel like I constantly saying it I'm constantly hoping it for other people I'm constantly (laughs) hoping it for myself just do better oh my goodness you sound like lovey jones I want y'all to be besties and I I want to be besties with her as well Mm -hmm. we're gonna (laughs) tell you mine this is sequoia mine is do what you can where you can how you can and for how long you can yes Mm -hmm. that's it love that is the journey beautiful Mm -hmm. Okay, next rapid fire. What ritual makes you feel gorgeous? This is Jihad. Honestly, getting ready. 
Yeah. Like it makes me feel beautiful. Like going somewhere or even staying in, getting ready, taking a good shower, putting good lotion yeah. on, putting eyebrows on makes me feel beautiful. Mm-hmm. But especially yeah. putting perfume on. I even put perfume on before yes. I go to bed. It makes me feel beautiful. I know it's very, you know, people would call it maybe superficial, but I feel powerful. I'm with you in that, babe. A get ready <laughs> sesh. There's nothing like it with a special shower. Nothing like right. <laughs> I need to know this perfume trick. I'm like, yeah. Mm, that's how you know you love yourself. You put in perfume yeah. like, you in your dreams. Right. <laughs> okay, like, because oh. I'm worth it. I that's worth right. It. You are. I love that. I enjoy getting my nails done. And if you mm. follow me, you know. Yes. I take my nails very seriously. I love getting my hair done. I'm on a like bi-weekly cadence every Monday at nine o'clock. That's my time. I love that. I think hair removal, and I know that sounds silly, but it's something about like, no matter how you remove your hair, like waxing, shaving, yeah. plucking, threading, whatever, it's something about like, I feel like a whole different shape. Fresh. Yes. Fresh. Something about the hair removal. I'm telling you. Also with your nails, you can't do anything. You literally have to sit there and relax. Yeah. Can't you can't talk. answer your phone. Talk about being in the present moment. <laughs> Get your nails. Yeah, and that's why I like it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I love those. Mm. Okay. This is going to be one of my fave questions to ask. What is an action you took recently that came from a place of abundance? Ooh, I love that. Okay, I'll give one that's not sexy, but it means a lot. I made my own investment into something that I really wanted to do. Mm -hmm. I didn't ask anyone's opinions. I didn't do, you know, the whole checking in. And it was a sizable amount for me, but it was something I really wanted to do. And I would not have had to give into an investment if I did not have it in abundance. So that was something I quietly did. I guess now the world knows, but (laughs) it meant a lot to me to be able to like get to that point where I could. And so that was something I did more recently. That is true. I love that. True abundance. That's beautiful, Koya. For me, mine is very simple. You know, I grew up in a very Caribbean household where you do things yourself, especially cleaning. And if you were to have like a housekeeper or something like that, it was very much an element of wealth. Like it's not anything that we grew up with. So recently I purchased weekly house cleaning sessions. And so I felt very abundant. It was very much like starting from the bottom. Now we're here for me. I was like, look at this, you know, you just get the time back and the opportunity to be able to pay for this service that largely in my life is seen as such a luxury item. I was just like, okay, you do this for yourself. This is abundance for you. So I am all about that. And that money is circulating to someone who has their own business and wants to do that work. That is true abundance. And I think to free up your time as well. You know, there's so much to be said for having a clean space to just even like have a clear mind to absolutely. So I'm all about doing that. And I love that you did that for yourself. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, last two. What is something that can always be found on your table? I have one. This is one of my favorite things as I grab it from my table. (laughs) And this is a paperweight that my boss who actually got me into data and Mm -hmm. insights. Her name is Nicole Hartman. I literally mention her on every podcast. She changed my life. And this paperweight she gave to me $100,000 ago. And I was miserable at my job. And this will never leave me. And it's a quote by Babe Ruth that says, never let the fear of striking out get in your way. So this is made from Jacksonville, Florida. 
all the way to Atlanta, five homes later, this never leaves my desk. So shout out to my paperweight. That's beautiful. And a great mentor or somebody who really sees your value is just so priceless. And the fact that she saw that and thought of you and yes. gave it to you and you still have it, you know, five moves later, five jobs later, you know, and it's going to stay with you forever. I love that. Priceless. For me, on my table, I always have flowers, fresh flowers. Mm-hmm. Every week, it makes my space feel inviting. I love it. It makes me happy when I wake up in the morning to go get coffee. When I see my flowers still in bloom, it makes me very, very happy and very grateful for the simple things that we have in life. Mm, so beautiful, G. What kind, Jihad? You know what? It varies, but my favorite flowers are roses. I mm-hmm. wanted to move away from that. I just thought it was very cliche. I was just like, Jihan, you are better than just liking roses. And I was like, I was maybe about four or five months ago. I was just like, you know what? You love roses mm-hmm. and that's okay. So like pink roses, I think are gorgeously beautiful. So like, I would love to have a rose garden wherever I live and just have roses bloom oh, all the time. Yes. So there's no one that has an eye for beauty like you, G. If you're lucky enough that she'll share her Instagram, you want to follow that Instagram because she absolutely, <laughs> she has a way of capturing and seeing the beauty in both the simple and complex things that we witness in life. And I just love how you Oh, thank you. Okay, last question. What nourishment brings you joy? So this could be food or a drink or both or some kind of actual like meal or something that has to do with food or nourishing ourselves. You got to tell Jihan by day part because the foodie of the group, I'm telling you, I enjoy pasta. I think Lauren, you know this because we enjoy pasta together. I really enjoy pasta. It's just such a simplistic meal, but so filling and comforting. And any culture, any financial status, wherever you are, everybody eats pasta. Even if you're gluten-free, you're eating gluten-free pasta. So I just, I just love pasta. And then I think my other favorite form of nourishment is being in nature. If I can just step in nature, like I'm talking about, not just like in my driveway, I'm talking about in the woods, hiking on a beach, something. I literally feel like full inside just being in nature, preferably by salt water. You know, you step out of that plane and you breathe that salt water in, it's instant gratification for me. So those are my two tangible and intangible. That's that Pisces, babe. Pisces needs to be yes. by water. Fish. We have to be by water. You're like, how did I get out of my home, Is which is the ocean? <laughs> so this is how I know we are, are meant to be friends and why we are so close. My favorite meals is also pasta. And funny enough, I used to reject pasta because there was a point in my time when I was just like, oh, pasta or Italian food just all taste the same. It's all a red sauce and a pasta and a cheese. And then I went to Italy two years ago, I want to say, and it was so transformative for me. And I didn't think it would be because I had traveled so extensively. So to me, Italy was just like another check. But I got there and I was just like, this culture is so incredibly beautiful. And once I understood what excellent pasta was, like the simplicity and the complexity with a great well-seasoned sauce and a really well-paired glass of wine, mm-hmm. it completely transformed it for me. Now, if I want something nourishment, a beautiful bowl of pasta with a simple sauce and like burrata cheese with a great glass of wine mm-hmm. makes me so happy. I feel so settled and I'm just like what a beautiful life we get to live that I get to enjoy this bowl of pasta so very nourishing for me and then to Koya's point so 
low taught me because I love water. And when people ask me like what animal I would love to be, I always would say a dolphin because I like people, you know, love water. I like being very playful, but I love water. And another thing that brings me nourishment is being surrounded in love with my friends and my family, but just, it really nourishes me. But also when that get together or that togetherness is around water. So if we're on, you know, in the South of France or if we're in Miami somewhere and we're just all together, that just brings me such peace and nourishment. Yeah. I can't wait for our weekends at your home in the South of France. So yes, let's put it out there. Abundance activated. Oh, it's making its way to you. We've talked about this many times. We can just practice next summer. I think maybe like a summer in Versailles, Mm -hmm. you know, we can do that. That's right. That's right. Mm -hmm. This is what it's like to be at the table. (laughs) I thank you so much for the energy that you both have is so nourishing in and of itself, but I really was always taken with your power. I think you both are two of the most powerful women I've ever met. I think you walk in a space of confidence and you also have always empowered others around you and other women around you. And I've witnessed that. And I don't even think you always got the credit, you know, and that's why House of Low is here to give that credit because it's a very subtle way that you both walk through the world and you have such a big impact on anyone that even has a a minute with you. And the impact that you've had on me, I could talk about for hours and hours. So that's why today I want to explore worthiness. This is something we've talked about in our private combos and worthiness is having its moment right now in the culture. It's like self-worth. And I think everyone's waking up to how self-worth is really at the core of, I think, finding joy in life and it's at the core of our healing. And so that's what I want to open up today and talk about is worthiness. When I talk about self-worth, what kind of comes up for you as far as your journey and your own self-worth and stepping into kind of moving from a place of lower self-worth in certain areas of your life and stepping more into your true high worthiness? I think for me, it was all about two major things. Treating rest as a necessity and not a luxury. And speaking up has been two that really caused me. And actually, those are two things that brought us together was me taking this mental health break. I don't know if y'all remember, it was like 21 days at work. And I'm like, to hell with all of this. I can't do it. I have to rest. And then in that rest, I found that hey, maybe people don't really know exactly to the extent that you're feeling X, Y, Z. And I spoke up and then that speaking up attracted you beauties and was like, hey, you know, this is wrong. That's wrong. You need to change this and we're going to show you how. And I tell this story all the time about our friendship. And so for me, it's really changing my mentality. And I think with Black culture in general, And marginalized communities, so women as well, we're so conditioned to rest being a luxury, right? And that you have to earn the right to speak up, right? Those two things kind of go hand in hand. And so for me, I had an epiphany that I don't deserve rest. It's a necessity. I get rest because I'm a human. Humans require rest. Mm -hmm. And then that in that rest, find in that quiet moment how you can speak up 
for whatever those questions are, whatever your thoughts are. Because a lot of times I think we get in this cycle of just going back and forth with our thoughts and we just don't think we're worthy. And it's like, well, you're really just talking to yourself. So you got to kind of speak up with other people to kind of have that moment that I had. And so those two things are very transformative as far as me where I am now and how I view myself, how I view my place against others. Call it cocky, I don't care. But I know where I am in relation to others, in relation to myself and in relation to God. And that was for me what just took me to the next level. So beautiful, Koi. Thank you for sharing that. G. Love that. For me, in terms of self-worth, not from a young age, but I want to say maybe beginning in high school, I wouldn't say it was low self-esteem, but I definitely wasn't as confident. And of course, you're a teenager at that age. And then for me, I've always been in predominantly white institutions. And so always being the only Black girl was always so rough for me in terms of being able to speak up or not looking like everybody else. And especially like in beauty standards, the beauty standards, wherever I was at, like you are not the beauty standard. And so I struggled with feeling like, okay, are you worthy? Are you important? Are you special? And so I think I took a lot of that and went through life that way in like my early 20s and the jobs that I would accept and the salaries that I would accept and just the feeling of you're just regular. Not that, you know, like I wasn't worth anything, but I was like, you're regular. Like what makes you so special? And I think in the past five-ish years, and especially in the past like three or four years, I've been working on myself to be like, no, you are special. You do have a light. You are worthy. And in a world that often tells you, especially Black women, not to like yourself, Mm -hmm. you need to like yourself because you are worthy. So I think once my mind switched in that mode, it transformed everything else in terms of how I walked into the world. Like, you don't look like how they say you're supposed to look, but you are beautiful and you're worthy. You are not like the white man at work, but you know what? You are worth getting the same exact salary, if not more. Ask for more. You are worth flying first class because you are worthy. And so that's kind of how that has shifted for me. And the fact that most of my life beginning like age 14, 15, I didn't think I was anything. I did not think I was it. And, you know, even through my 20s and then like the shift in my mind that was just like, you are worth it. This is why, you know, I talk to a lot of my younger cousins or even just younger colleagues, like letting them know that, hey, this is a situation. I've been through this. Let me give you the cheat code because you don't need to go through this either. You know what I mean? So I think that's kind of was the change for me. Mm, Thank you both so much. And thank you for sharing that vulnerably, G. So much of what you talked about, which is the absolute truth is the external that as women and as black women, like you said, there's so much put on our appearance and we're socialized to see that it's directly connected to what we're worthy of, whether it's money, love, success, ultimately every human wants, you know, freedom, belonging, and love. And it's like, we are socialized from a young, young age. And depending on the spaces in the background we come from and the spaces we walk in that like how we look is like 90% of it, you know? And yet the reality is our body is aging every single day. We change every single day. And beauty is subjective. Like what is beautiful? You know, I'm like always going to be this optimist. And I think the standards of beauty are shifting 
before our eyes, like drastically from the skinny archetype or whatever that is, you know? And I think overall, this isn't to put down anyone, but I think as a woman, we have got to acknowledge that this holds us back from a lot in life, asking for more money, speaking up, like Koi said, and even just feeling worthy of the beautiful abundance that life has to offer us. Like, yeah, first class all the way, you know? And we're living through a time right now and we're the trailblazers. Like we are the trailblazers. There's no template. The template that's above us has been dismantled, you know, from previous generations. So we're trailblazing a new template. And there's a lot of discomfort in the culture when women speak up. There's a lot of discomfort. I can sense it. It's from men. It's from women. It's from everybody across the spectrum. And ultimately, I think where we're heading is everyone needs to get like real comfortable with what a culture looks like when women see themselves in the highest light. And I would love to get both of your takes on that. Like, where do we find ourselves as women in the culture right now in terms of the shifts and a lot of the dirty laundry that's been aired about what women have endured for centuries? I would love to hear your your take on that. I feel like we're in a challenger era. Like if when we look at history books or our children, if they look at history books, I think that this later, like this 2020s, late teens, Everything that we have known has been challenged, right? Yeah. Every sector, every industry, every norm, every single thing has been challenged. Technology aids in a lot of that. Accessibility aids in a lot of that. Education. And so one of the things I wanted to make sure I talked about was, and I don't know if y'all have seen this, it's it's a big topic on Black Twitter. And it was talking about this obsession with women staying young and how people, there are certain ones, bad women. I mean, we know them, right? We know who these women are that are just across the world. They are the beauty standard. Pretty yeah. much anybody with two eyeballs know that these women are deemed beautiful, right? Right. But now those beauty queens, they're in their 50s. Some of them are in their 60s. And people are like, obsessed with being like, oh man, she just turned 50 and she looks 25. No, she looks 50. She just looks great. Like she still can be 50 and look great. There's nothing wrong with like, what people do is, oh, look at her neck, look at her hands. That's how you really tell her age. And it's like, and okay. Right. (laughs) And I am big on if you got it and you don't like it, you got the money to do it, nip, tuck, suck, whatever you need to do. Right. (laughs) But I think that you should do that because you really want to not to fit into this mold that is ever changing. And we see this with women, not to go on like this tangent, but we see this with women that got certain elective surgeries with their behinds in the early 2000s. That was a fad at the time mm-hmm. it didn't feel like a fad mm-hmm. but now 10 years later you have these women doing documentaries about they didn't know this about the surgery they had to get this removed they realized that wasn't always going to be cute and so I say this to say that because we're challenging at every single moment and things are now becoming more accessible we have to make sure we challenge why we're doing things around mm-hmm. our appearance and is that really for us Is it to appease people? And if I do choose to make a permanent decision, be it as little as tattooing eyebrows to as big as a BBL, 
in 10 years, in 20 years, am I going to be happy that this was done? And if this changes, will I still stand in my decision? And we don't really see a lot of that. I think that kind of introspective behavior around what we're doing beauty-wise. Is it truly for self? If it goes away, are you going to be one of these women on botched crying because that fad has gone away and botched can be physically or y'all know some spiritual botched that y'all need, some of us need to do, right? But are you going to stand in that decision should it change? Because we are being challenged and with technology, we now see the challenges that our mothers and our grandmothers had, but no one was accessible to that challenge because of a lack of technology. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. I I completely agree. And it's so funny. Koya knows I love Black Twitter. I mean, Black Twitter is pretty much a blueprint for a lot of marketing and we work in marketing. Okay, So yeah, Black Twitter is it. So I'm all about that. In terms of, you know, what we're seeing now with women and all of the disruptions that have happened in the past like two or three years, I'm very hopeful with all the disruptions. You know, I hope that women are able to get everything that they deserve. I'm hopeful that they are able to have it all as much as they want. They have the family, they have the career, the career supports them in their choice of family. Like there's a lot that I do see positively. I do think there's still kind of a struggle internally amongst women in the career sector that has to be spoken about and changed. You know, as somebody, especially in the marketing world where it's Many, many women. I sometimes feel like there's more women than men in the marketing world. Yeah. You know, at the top levels, it's mostly men. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we already need to make our way there. And then once you get to the top, top level, there's only certain women. And those certain women, I often feel like once they get that seat at that table, they're so eager to stay there that they don't look behind them and offer. And if they do, then it is very much unconscious bias at the people who look like them. And so then you have like all of these other women who are working hard that don't get the recognition who speak up, but then are told that they're actually being disruptive. And so like my challenge to us women, and this is why like I love our friendship and I love the group that we have cultivated with other women who are not in this conversation, but we open the doors and provide opportunities. And one thing that I'm always, always wanting to tell other women and I make sure I do is, Make sure you mention these people's names in these rooms. If they're not there, if you know that, you know, Koya is an excellent data scientist and she can help you understand your data, put it together and help you grow your revenue. You may not have met her, but I have met her. So I'm going to say her name or Lauren. Somebody's like, you know, hey, I'm looking to do this. You know what? Right now it's not for me to do. But I have a really great woman. Her name is Lauren and she can do this Mm -hmm. and you should reach out to her. I feel like a lot of that is not happening because people want to get to the top so fast and they only want to look out for themselves. And it's just not in everybody's best interest because like once you have as many people as you can to create a task or create a revolution, then there will always be more. You know, if you're keeping it pigeonholed, it's never going to grow outwards. And so I think that's where we are and where we need to like move towards. Can I follow up on something that Jihan said? First of all, I should have paid to be on this panel yeah, because I'm like <laughs> enriched, okay? But seriously, something that Jihan said about passing, like speaking his name, when we talk about self-worth, sometimes 
when you talk about, especially friendship in business, friendship in whatever way, sometimes it's also not so much that you don't have the capacity to do something. Sometimes it's recognizing some women do shit better than you. Absolutely. That's just sometimes what it is. I have a partner, Chastity Jones. I love her. We love her. Y'all know Chastity. And we were just talking. We sharpen each other just like she's in our women's circle. And we were just talking about what we want to do in our business. And she just showed me, wanted some eyeballs on a resume one-sheeter that she designed. And I said, Chastity Jones, I never knew you designed one-sheeters. I knew you did certain parts of career coaching, but I never knew you designed these. I designed them too. I don't find joy necessarily in designing them. I do like the money, but I also, it takes me longer to do it because it's just not my thing, right? And I asked, I said, well, what if I still sell it, but you're my fulfillment partner? I haven't touched a one-sheeter all year. (laughs) It takes nothing from me to pay her for something she enjoys. And she just does better than me. But it took a point of me understanding my worth for time, things I enjoy. What is that revenue trade-off to be able to recognize she just does it better. (laughs) She just does it better. And that's okay. And you plug her for that opportunity. And sure enough, she brings it back to me. And now we work together on that. So I think part is you may not want to do something, but part is too being so good at knowing yourself that sometimes some women just do some things better than you. Give it up, sister, and you're right. going to be just okay. Yeah, that to me is walking brand new in your worthiness. Like what both of you have highlighted, which is the crux of my message, is scarcity to abundance. Like mm-hmm. all of that thinking and ways of being, they're dying because they're living from a place of scarcity. Those ways of working are absolutely being dismantled. And I cannot stress this. And I tell this to everyone and people look at me like I'm crazy because the economy is technically built on scarcity. Like that's what you study economics. It's like scarcity. I forget the other word. Surplus. Surplus. Thank thank you. See, that's why we need all data. Everybody. Yeah. Thank you. That's why you're the data. data Writer. (laughs) We're moving into an age of abundance. Mm-hmm. abundance. And what does that mean? That means that there's plenty for everyone to be prosperous, right? And I think ultimately there are circumstances that people are born into, but scarcity thinking, it permeates our culture so much that a lot of people can't even break out of the circumstances that they're in because of scarcity thinking, because of the people that are not bringing them along with them, right? Like you said, G, and there's research on this for women. Like Women hold each other back in higher positions in corporate America. They just do. The higher up they go, the more they hold each other back. And this is a real thing. And it gets into the topic of how we hold ourselves back from more worthiness. Like we have to be coming from a place of every woman deserves to shine in whatever way that she is supposed to shine and be here to shine. And I think ultimately what all three of us have done is we've reflected back to each other what our gifts are because everybody has different gifts. And that leads me into talking about abundance, consciousness, because you both live from that place. And I love to have debates about this all the time with people. And somebody recently said, well, how do you explain abundance with somebody that's born into you know poverty or grows up a certain way? And I said, well, what is actually unfolding right now is 
people are creating situations and organizations that create more opportunity. It is up to people like us to start making opportunity for other people to even be aware of this consciousness. Because this consciousness is what unlocks everything, right? We're spiritual. We know about law of attraction. There's nothing and nobody that can hold you back. Only if like your mind lets them, you know? So that's why I would love to hear you both talk about abundance as a consciousness and as like a mindset and way of life and how it has played a role in your life or shifted things for you. Really quickly, back on what you said about people debating you in terms of how about this person born in poverty, not knowing about abundance. And it's incredibly unfortunate, but it goes back to the point of what you just said. Living an abundant life, understanding that there is no need to live in a scarcity mindset, it is something that is not innate. You have to work at it. It is like a muscle. And so unfortunately, if you're born in certain circumstances or your reality is very different, you're not going to have that sort of, you know, spiritual education unless you go out and look for it or somebody shares it with you. You're not just born, you know, saying, hey, like, yeah, I'm abundant, maybe a couple of small percentage, but even the richest person may not feel abundant. Right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's very much a muscle that you have to work at. So if someone asks you about that, you know, I'm sure you're going to use that. that Thank you, Gina. You just hit on something, though. I think, sorry, I know you asked us a question, but that, I mean, I came from a regular family, single parent home, veterans, but when you really have it like that, divorce type of thing, you know. Yeah. I really just happened to thankfully have a mother position me where I needed to to be where I'm at. But we, my family, not from kind of like pop the piston type of situation. But those are some of the most abundant people I know. And Mm -hmm. I think that we have been taught abundance means money. It can mean money. Yes. Personally, right now, abundance for me right now means money. (laughs) But once I get to where my goal is with money, what abundance means is going to change. Right. I have an issue with people that, and I get why they said it, but I do have an issue with people that say, well, what about poor people in abundance? Because look at the pandemic and where crime has been. Crime, eh, it's not the ghetto. You don't see schools in the hood getting shot up by these children like we did last night. You don't see certain behaviors happen in the way it does in affluent communities when those communities are rocked versus communities that are used to oppression. Like when we go to my grandma's place, I mean, that household income probably is smooth under $45,000 in Florida. I'm positive about that, right? That might be a stretch. But there's always food on the table. If you don't have food, your neighbor does. There's some type of spiritual grounding. There's children playing with each other. There's family time. You don't miss a Sunday. Even in my tax bracket, you're working through your Sundays. You pop in all kinds of pills because that's what your therapist told you. And not saying that you can't, but just for the sake of, you know, things, right? You trying to figure out how to keep getting your nails done because your client just failed and you really don't got the money that you really technically got, right? So I say at this saying, I challenge what abundance means and I challenge what it means per life cycle and that knowing that what abundance means to you now can change and with the definition at least to me of abundance meaning that I have excess that could mean that if I am poor like back in the day 
when my mom had to work three jobs to pay for a week of school clothes, that might mean having seven outfits instead of two. But now where I have a walk-in closet, that may mean getting that closet organized and paying somebody a couple thousand dollars for all of my clothes. And that's abundance for me. Neither one is greater than the other. But when we allow people to define abundance, their abundance for our lives, that's where we feel like we're lacking so much. And we can't see that I'm either walking in abundance or I'm right there to being where I can train my mind, like Jihan said, and practice that muscle of being in abundance. Right. And I love what you said, Koya, in terms of like what abundance means to you, because even as you're describing your background, abundance may not have meant financial to you, but it was like the love of the family and your mom letting you know that you were worthy. And that is her practicing abundance and educating that to you. You know what I mean? So it's like, you Mm. got that foundation, which is now you're able to be like, abundance means different things to different people. And I love that, which is why, like you said, the richest people are not abundant, you know? Because what does abundance mean? Like, how can you define that to them? Abundance is an equal flow of generosity and receiving, like giving and, Mm. you know? And without giving and receiving, you're really not abundant. You can be rich, but you're not abundant. But that's why I love with y'all and our friendship. And we've all checked each other at different points, right? Because we're on like year three of this thing. Yeah. And we check each other's motives. And it's not like we're doing it like, no. hey, Jihad, what's your motive? But we ask each other the hard questions about why are you doing this? Right. What is the goal here? Right. How are you going to check yourself? Kind of what are your KPIs? Okay. (laughs) Because you have to, I think in Lauren's leadership in particular, this is before House of Wealth, Mm -hmm. is always checking to see why am I doing this? And is this going to lead to me being able to maybe relax on some of the work and give with that relaxed time or more time or more money, whatever. And I think that's what gets so lost. And you see right now in the news. So we're in December. Oh God, December 1st, 2021. And right now we're seeing so many wealthy people get challenged. Hey, you know, you make this amount of money, but your staff doesn't. Mm -hmm. Or you make this amount of money and you gave it to who? That has how much money? You have a million dollars and you say it's still not enough. And maybe that is your truth. We're not doubting your truth. But the challenge is there as far as this is your truth. Now, what are you going to do with it if you're truly saying I'm abundant and I'm this type of status? And I think that's something that's interesting that we're seeing. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And abundance is also, you know, to me, it, it also means plenty in all areas, because I think what we're witnessing right now is this fast wealth that the, the, like the startup economy has created. Fast wealth, if it isn't coming from a line, an aligned place, can be really dismantling to someone. Mm-hmm. Because, and again, for me, abundance, it has to do with health. It has to do with abundance of relationships, friendships, connections, family. Abundance of time is really the, the ultimate. Mm-hmm. We yeah. can rest and relax to your point, Koi. And I also think there is something to be said for figuring out what abundance means to us 
financially to live a prosperous life, but also what are we here to like do? You know, abundance, I think has a lot to do with walking in your purpose. And your purpose doesn't always have to be like something you do. A lot of it purpose is about the way you are, a way of being in the world. Like, do you lead by example? Do you lend a hand to someone when they can't help you? Do you care about the people under you? Like G said, you know, I just think that abundance is really a way of life where we're getting away from this hyper competition. And as women, we're pretty much taught to compete with each other. We're like pitted against each other. And then that's what perpetuates the cycle that we talked about where women hold each other back, you know? And I think we're trying to have these conversations and I know they're uncomfortable for people. I'm sure it's going to be uncomfortable for some people to listen to this, but that's the point. Like the point is, is that we are being asked to trailblaze a new way. And abundance to me means that there's enough for everyone to live a beautiful, prosperous life, whatever that looks like to them. Like you spoke about your grandmother in Florida, like that is the picture of abundance and more also can flow to her. And I hope more does, but it's also like being present. And I know we talk a lot about like being in the present moment and what we have right now and kind of loving what we have right now. That to me is also abundance, you know? I love that. I, want, yeah. I love the present moment. I feel like oftentimes a lot of us are living in the past or mm. we're looking towards the future. And if people understood that if you lived in the present, everything that you ever wanted is already here. Yeah. Everybody would just walk in their purpose and feel the abundance and especially the gratitude. I feel like if people practice more gratitude, they'd understand. And like I mentioned, this is something that I have had to work at understanding that, hey, yeah. the time is now. And once you are grateful for everything, more will come because you will now receive more to be grateful for. Mm -hmm. And whether that's finances, whether that's health, one thing that I have always like harped upon is health is wealth. You know, you have healthy friends, family, parents, you are healthy, like the gratitude for that. You know what I mean? So it's one of those things that I have worked at. And I honestly really pray and hope that other people receive that same like abundance education, which is why I think the work that you're doing is so important. Like people are not like available to this kind of education and world sometimes. And so it's just so important to just have that gratitude, that abundance flow and knowing that the more grateful you are, the more abundance you'll receive, you know, stop living in a scarcity mindset. Jihan, I just love that. And I just want to add, you also have to like, make room for abundance oh amen there it is there it is and this may be the smallest example but I think about when I think about what I said at the beginning of the podcast about speaking up and resting and I remember this was when I first moved in my house y'all and this is earlier this year I got COVID and I'm like depressed and just like oh my god I got COVID I think I'm gonna die like seriously though and I remember <laughs> we all our little women's circle so Maren, Jihan and some others and we were all on FaceTime and I just happened to be making some coffee and Jihan was like what are you doing and I was like you know I'm just making I think I was like doing using like a blender or something to like heat up oh, some yeah. milk or something yes. <laughs> and two days later I get this package and it's a milk frother now mind you oh. I'm you have to have friends that's doing better than you as well. You can't be insecure about that. So my friend, my bougie friend, Jihan, and bougie in a good way, she gave me a milk frother. And she said, I don't ever want you to do that again. You need to be using your time wisely and get this done right. And it's going to make your coffee taste better. She taught me all about lavender lattes, y'all. She just, I'm telling you, 
<laughs> but I say that to say when she sent it, it was something that meant a lot to me because oh. I had never made room for people to give. And I found myself mm-hmm. in this cycle of frustration of overgiving. Like, oh my God, nobody ever does just these things for me like I do for them. And I have great friends. I'm not dismissing my friends, but you guys know what it feels like when it's like, dang, I really want that one-to-one giving, right? And Jihan, I've met her one time physically in my life, but we have this three-year friendship. She got me the arguably the best housewarming gift I got. And oh. but it was because I made room for it. Yeah. And I think that we oftentimes as women, and if you think about like even pregnancy, right? We get into where, okay, I want this baby. And I'm not saying a baby as in a physical, I'm talking about birthing something, right? Yeah. But you haven't made room for your body to expand and be uncomfortable and create this thing that you want. So if your baby is abundance and extra, you have to make room for that thing or you're going to continue to not receive overflow because you don't have your shit together at the very basic level to be able to receive. That's like you having a coffee mug and you say, I want a gallon of milk, but honey, you only got a coffee mug. You're going to have to go get a gallon jug because what's waiting for you, this baby that's waiting for you, it needs that large room. It needs the space to fit in your life. And so that for me was that milk frother that I use every single day in my Aww. French press because I, <laughs> I made that. room to receive. So no, thanks. I, I'm so happy. You're you welcome, friend. Oh my gosh, Koi, I'm so happy you brought this up because talk about another muscle it takes to build is receiving. Mm, yes. And as yes. women, I mean, in our core, like divinely feminine energy, feminine energy is about receiving, masculine mm-hmm. is about giving, right? We we give and receive. We all have both energies. But ultimately, women have lost their way when it comes to actually being comfortable in their feminine because we've been on the defense for years because we live in a hyper masculine culture, especially the way we work. You know, and women are learning that we can't work this way anymore. It's too much. You know, and I love how you said that making room for what we desire to receive so it can actually flow to us is the work. And it can be almost like uncomfortable sometimes. I know, gee, we've talked about this. Do you have anything you want to add to that? No, I mean, we've talked about this extensively. It can be so uncomfortable, but on the other side of that discomfort is just such a peaceful way of being. Mm -hmm. And once you receive all those tools and once you change your life and way of thinking, the things that flow to you once you do all of that, but also what you have to then flow to others completely changes. Mm-hmm. So I'm in complete like agreeance. And and I just want to plug low. I've been doing, of course, you know, self-awareness, self-reflection work, but it wasn't until really low came into my life and like showed me all of these different pieces of literature. And we'd have like intensive speaking that it started to click and be like, oh, this is definitely something. And for my life, this is definitely something you need to start implementing. And honestly, I just cannot make it any clearer. The changes that happen in your life is just, it's indescribable. So, Thank but you. you work for it, Jihan. But yes. that's what Lauren reminds us of. And that's what House of Low Podcast reminds us of. It's like, we're going to give you like that blueprint. We're right. going to give you the formula. We're going to talk through it. But it's the practical application. Yeah. Are you really going to do the work to attract what we're saying? 
and I love what Lauren said about, you know, this startup culture. It's like, there's no venture capitalism when it comes to your mental. No. So you have to do the work. You can't just go pitch it to somebody and say, hey, you know, this is where I am mentally. This is where I want to go. Do you believe in this? Giving money. Your mind is the one muscle in your body that you truly can't pay to repair. I'm not talking about your physical yes. brain. I'm talking yes. about your soul, yes. your inner being. It's the one thing you cannot pay your way out of. So you have to change your mentality, get these blueprints, but then work to change that mentality where you're not that kind of woe is me person or I wish, I wish, I wish. You're the, I'm in the present, I'm here now and I am doing and I am walking in abundance, not going to, not want to. Every single day, I am abundant. And here is why, back to that gratitude list that you said, and you get better and better and better to where you become essentially fluent in abundancy, like mm-hmm. what Lauren is, you know? Oh, yes. Well, I think <laughs> this is why we're having more of these conversations. And what I am finding, you know, G was at my first event we did where we did, it was called Abundance Activated. And all the women that came, there's a craving for this conversation. Everyone's done with scarcity. They're done with it. And at one point we were all talking about like thinking big and the discomfort that comes with thinking big. And then as soon as all of us jumped over that hump of like the nervousness to think big, everybody was speaking some of the biggest intentions and goals I've ever heard as if they were going to happen because they are going to happen. And I've learned that our worthiness is directly tied to what we can receive and also what we can give. One of my favorite people, Lundrell, he's an amazing artist. He's a a singer, songwriter. And he talks a lot about like, I'm giving from overflow. I'm so set in myself and I pour into myself daily that I never feel depleted by other people because I'm giving from my overflow. And I think what a beautiful word to akin to abundance is overflow. So here's to more overflow. (laughs) Amen. You know what's in the middle of flow is low. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> this is why you're going to be my marketer, obviously. Okay, well, this was the best table I've ever sat at. So thank you. Thank you for joining my table. I love you both so much. You both are absolute gifts to the world and anybody that meets you. And you walk in such beautiful purpose. You live from abundance. You're dripping in abundance. And I pray that all your deepest desires continue to flow to you. So I know they will, and I know they are. And I can't thank you enough for what you've brought to my life, true abundance. So thank you. Oh, we love you. Thank you right. so much for having us. Like you oh. are the best. It just warms my heart that we met each other wherever we were, and we have left wherever we were, but still found each other. And we'll be friends for years to come and collaborators for years to come. And I just love that. It's the greatest gift. I'm so thankful to be here. We fell in love in a hopeless place, but look at us now. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, before we jump, let people know where they can connect with you and anything you got going on that you want to plug. Koi, you start because Koi is about to take over the world, the stuff that she has going on. I just want to get paid to speak. That's all I want. So I'm going to put that in the atmosphere. Um, but you guys can follow me on my Instagram that needs to be updated. It's at underscore database, D-A-T-A-B-A-E. And then you can find me database anywhere. Like if you want to find me on LinkedIn and we do have a website, it's blackmarketerscoalition.org. Check mm-hmm. us out. 
Yes. Wonderful. We love Black Marketers Coalition. Just had our first annual National Black Marketers yes, Day we week. Yes, we did. Copyrighted by Sequoia Blow. Yes. <laughs> And then for me, you know, I'm a very low-key individual. You can find me. You know what? How about you all find me on my new YouTube channel? I'm going to be launching a YouTube channel. Just look for Jolly Jihan. It's like a work in progress, but we can make it rise and be abundant together. I'm going to start Vlogmas, which is a YouTube thing, vlogging every day in December. We'll see if I keep to it. I probably will, even though it's going to be uncomfortable, but... At the end, we'll see what happens. So oh yeah, follow God. me on YouTube, Jolly Jihan. Immediately this subscribing. Is- and I'm going to link all of this in the show notes. So everybody will have all the links to all the beautiful things. I'm so excited for you to create that, G. Hello, YouTube. Yeah. I mean, she gets almost 600 views on the best bagels in LA. So, I mean, if that's not abundant, I don't know what it is. Bagels are like, you know, a wedding cake when Jihan shows oh. up. <laughs> yeah. like said, so we'll do it. Oh, thank you both so much. Thank I love you both. both. I Thank love you, you for having us. Thank Bye, you. friends. Love you. love you. Bye, friends. Love you. Thank you so much for listening to House of Low today. I encourage you to keep going. Who you're becoming is on the horizon, and who you are today is a gift. Never lose sight that you are worthy of all that you deeply desire. Love, Low.